Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome to the Sports Beat. Once again, it is a Friday, and I'm happy to be here as I've got a special show, as I'm going to have two guests on the show today, Rob Frazier and Gabe Reynolds. And we've got a great show for you. As the Columbus Rapids took on the Rome Gladiators last night at the Civic Center, we got college basketball as we have conference tournaments going on, and we also have the Columbus State Cougars in action tonight a semi-final game in the Peach Belt Conference. So let's go ahead and start with the Columbus Rapids. Men and women's team splitting the games with the Rome Gladiators. The Rapids men's team was on the pitch first. They were able to get the victory 8-5. to five. It was a goal-scoring barrage. As you had two goals by Manny Chavez, two goals by Brandon Cervantes, Two goals by Ethan Allure, a goal by Oswaldo Valencia, his first goal of the season, and Stephen McIntosh getting his first goal of the season as he missed the last four games due to the birth of his child and how cool and special that was for him to get a goal in his return. I was really happy for Oswaldo Valencia as well. And then right at the buzzer, Ethan Allure picked up his second goal to make it 8-5, to five, and the Columbus Rapids break a scoring record by scoring eight goals in one game. And that was fun. I enjoyed calling all the goals. Now, the women's team jumped up to a 2-0 lead on Rome, but Rome stormed right back at halftime, including a goal by Carly Banks. It was a showdown between the two top goal scorers in the NISL, Carly Banks and Olivia Gerald. They both scored a goal in the game. However, the Rome Gladiators were able to win the game 6-5. to five. Columbus made it interesting. They cut it close thanks to a goal by Olivia Gerald, her 12th goal on the season. But both teams fall to 4-8. and eight. And now they got to pack up and get on a bus and head to Memphis for a road contest this will, that will take place tomorrow afternoon. And you can catch that game on the National Indoor Soccer League's YouTube channel. The next home game for the Columbus Rapids will be next Thursday night at the Columbus Civic Center against the Fayetteville Fury. As we are at the halfway point of the season, the playoffs will start April 2nd and 3rd up in Fayetteville. We have a big three-game series tonight as the Columbus River Dragons are taking on the Danbury Hattricks, and they are currently in third place in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. Danbury is in second place, so good luck to the River Dragons. We have the Columbus State Cougars that are taking on Augusta University, the number one ranked team in the Peach Belt Conference, on the road tonight. And you can catch that game on 88.5 WCUG. Scott Miller will have the call. The Lady Cougars are taking on North Georgia College this Saturday. And 
The championship game will be Sunday. So the men's championship game will be Saturday. And let's hope that both teams can do well in the Peach Belt Conference. We have baseball action today. A three-game series is the Columbus State baseball team. 14-3 and three on the season, taking on Clafton University. And we also have LaGrange College, ranked 21st in NCAA Division Three taking on Mennonite for a three-game series. The LaGrange Panthers are 9-1 and one on the season. Well, the Spencer Green Wave in Fort Valley State University today is in the Final Four, taking on Marist. So good luck to the Spencer Green Wave. And of course, I'm headed over to Russell County to call a baseball game as I am the part-time public address announcer. I missed the game yesterday. They lost to Heedland. They will take on Pike County today. They are 0-5 on the season. It's a rebuilding year for Russell County baseball, but I'm just happy to have baseball back. And, of course, Point University in the NAIA taking on Bluefield this weekend as well. Always a treat to have all these local teams in action. So college basketball last night, we did have some near upsets. Arizona was able to beat Stanford 81 to 69. Kansas squeaked by TCU 72 to 68. Several seasons came to a close. Kennesaw State could not get over the hump and they lost to Jacksonville State 78 to 67. And so the Atlantic Sun Semi-final games, Bellarmine and Liberty and Jacksonville Dolphins taking on Jacksonville State. Not to be confused, one is Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville State is Jacksonville, Alabama. So there will be two teams that will punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament this week. The winner of the Big South and the winner of the Missouri Valley. Now, Loyola Chicago is one of those bubble teams right now. If Loyola Chicago wins the Missouri Valley... Because right now they're in third place. If they win the Missouri Valley, then one of those next four out will get Loyola Chicago's bubble berth. That is how it works. Of course, the latest bracketology, the last four in, Rutgers, Xavier, Memphis, and Loyola Chicago. The first four out, Indiana, BYU, SMU, and Virginia Tech. It's going to be very interesting to see these teams in the NCAA tournament and what they do, and how far they can go. Winning a couple games in the tournament might help, but it's important to win the conference. Anything can happen with these teams. We still have a team like Georgia that's about to break their school record for the most losses. If they get hot and on a roll, they can get into the NCAA tournament. I highly doubt it because they are the worst team in the SEC, and they got a a tough road to climb, but they did it back in 2008. They only had four regular season wins, and in the NCAA tournament, they got hot. They beat Ole Miss. Then the tornado happened. They played Kentucky and Mississippi State all in the same day, and then they beat Arkansas in the championship, and that was an incredible run. I remember they had uh, Sonati at Sonadia Gaines, who played point guard for the Utah Jazz, and uh, they had such a great team. That was a very special team, but I don't think Georgia's got that type of magic. I think that uh, their season is about to end. All right, the NBA last night, you know, I watched 
some of it. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, they came back and they were able to beat the Chicago Bulls 130 to 124 thanks to Trey Young's 39 points. They did a very good job defensively on DeMar DeRozan. He still got his points. But tonight, they're taking on the Washington Wizards in Washington, D.C. They have a one and a half game lead over the Wizards. They got to get this win. They got to beat the Pistons on Monday. They got to do whatever it takes to win these games. It's very important as the schedule gets a little bit easier. The Hawks have to take advantage if they're a playoff team. Right now, they are a borderline playoff team because they'd be in the play-in game. But you don't want to lose to a Washington Wizards team that's on the outskirts. It's not even considered a playoff team. Some of the other games, I thought the Celtics actually are on a roll. They beat the Grizzlies. The Heat was able to beat the Nets. With the return of Kevin Durant, the Nets still lost. And they're right now at 500. I know that they've had a lot of injuries, but they've been the most disappointing team this season as they were one of the favorites to go to the NBA Finals. The Mavericks do it again, and the Golden State Warriors have struggled a little bit. They're still in second place, but don't look now. The Grizzlies are right behind them. The Warriors have lost three straight. This Saturday, the big ABC showcase game is the Warriors and Lakers. I'm interested to see if the Lakers flip a switch because it seems like the Lakers play at another level when it's a nationally televised game. And that could be one of those where Russell Westbrook has a chance to redeem himself because the Warriors have struggled. If you look at the conference standings, they're just a half game above Memphis. I think Memphis can overtake the Warriors for that second seed. Phoenix is not letting up. They they have won their 50th game. And they're doing it without Chris Paul. It, that's incredible. The lowly Lakers lose to the Clippers 132 to 111. I mean, it's starting to get laughable now. The Lakers are 27 and 35. They're in the ninth spot in the Western Conference. They're a game ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans and two games out. Think about this. The Lakers have a shot at missing out on the playoffs. This has got to be a reset year. Russell Westbrook has got to get shipped out. They need to cut him. They need to do something. It's not working out with Russell Westbrook. They need to keep LeBron. They need to keep Malik Monk. But they're going to have to retool and rebuild this thing. I'm not saying it can't work in Los Angeles. But there's so many distractions right now. With the Rams winning the Super Bowl, the Dodgers are favorite to win the World Series. You have USC with Lincoln Riley. The Lakers have been a laughingstock, and it's been a joke. I know that they won that title in 2020, and they were in the bubble. You got to remember, they had a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron. They also had playoff Rondo, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope was a very good role player. I can't believe they shipped him out. He was a good player. Kyle Kuzma, at times, was a good player. I cannot believe that that was the worst trade that the Lakers have done in a while to trade away three key pieces, Montrez Harrell, KCP, and Kyle Kuzma for Russell Westbrook. And I doubt that they're going to have a first-round pick for any time soon. How can you mess this up? But the Lakers did. Well, it's time to bring Rob and Gabe on the show. I'm excited to have these two on the show 
at the same time. Looking forward to it. We'll be back with a quick break. So don't go anywhere. To the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Just a reminder, you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And I've got a very special show. Normally my Monday guest is here on Friday along with my Friday guest. So I got Rob Frazier and Gabe Reynolds on the show. Like Vince Young once said, dream team. Guys, I am so glad that you are able to be on this show together for the first time on this episode. Man, I'm happy to be here. My man Rob, I'm looking forward to talking, talking with talking sports with you today. We may even get some ESPN first take, Stephen A. Smith, old Skip Bayless going on with this with our talks today. All right, man, let's go for it. And uh and Richard set the table for us and uh just be sure to be sure to call our names so we don't talk over top of each other. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, yeah. Absolutely. So, fellas, March Madness has been on my mind, especially when the calendar turned to March. We've got conference tournaments that are going on right now. Uh, After this weekend, we will have two teams that will punch their ticket into this dance, a team from the Big South Conference and a team from the Missouri Valley Conference. Some of the teams just to look out for, you have Longwood, could possibly make it. You got Winthrop. I don't know. You remember, I remember Winthrop would just make this tournament almost every year. And then in the Missouri Valley Conference, you have teams like Loyola Chicago that's considered a bubble team. You got Drake. You got Valparaiso. Uh, are, are you intrigued by these smaller schools when they get into their conference tournaments? Just how excited is it that these teams are able to punch their ticket into this tournament? I'm definitely excited. I love the fact that March Madness, it gives the little, the small, I'm not going to say the little guys, but it gives the smaller teams the opportunity to go up against the big boys. You know, the, the, the beauty of March Madness is the first weekend because that's when your upsets happen. Just go back to last year where you had Abilene Christian pulled off the shocking upset against Big Brother in the state, Big Bad Bully, Texas. So you never know what can happen. That's the beauty of the postseason. Once you get in, get in the dance and you get in that tournament, you throw the records out the window. You just go play. You just go play. University of Baltimore and Maryland County, they upset number one seed Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So give these, give these teams their opportunity. Let's do it. That is March Madness at its finest. 68 teams from the first four to the final four. And majority of your teams, you got to remember, they're all conference champions. So they've already won something, and they want to win the big one. They want to win the big prize. They want to get to the final four. They want their name in light. That's what I love about it. Give the smaller teams and the smaller conferences a chance because this is their opportunity to play against the big boys and show that they belong. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy the small school tournaments uh, very much so, Richard. I think uh, starting uh, today uh, you'll be able to to watch a lot of those. Um, I love – it's called wall-to-wall basketball, right, where they're on earlier in the day, and it means a lot to them. And a lot of these teams are very fundamentally sound. So the reason, in my opinion, that they beat a lot of bigger schools – is because they they play a more patient traditional style of basketball where the they use the shot clock and use the backdoor screens and cuts and shots and things like that. So 
You never know. And uh, and then also it means a lot because they can have – a lot of these teams can be first place in their league all year long, but if they lose in the tournament, they don't exactly get to be in the tournament, right, because, uh, you know, their, their strength of schedule. So uh, I'll give you a few uh, strong, small schools this year. Murray State, man, good old Murray State, which we know about Murray State, don't we, Gabe, where uh, John Morant went, and uh, that's where he went to school, and they've produced some good guards over the years. So, Murray, look out for Murray State this year. They're really having a great year. Yep, yep, they are. Well, I think Murray State, which is ranked 22nd, they're taking on Southeast Missouri State. They're in this tournament regardless. Let's say Missouri State gets upset in the Ohio Valley tournament. Murray State is in this tournament regardless. Somebody's bubble is going to be bursted. I don't know, Richard. The OVC is a 1B league. Even though Murray State is ranked, if Murray State loses, I don't think it's a lock that they're going to be in the tournament because then they're going to go back and look at strength of schedule. They're going to look at who they play. So I'm not sure that just because they're ranked in the top 25 that they're an instant lock to make the NCAA tournament. If they lose tonight in the semifinals and don't make they win tonight and they get to the finals and let's say they lose to Belmont, now they may have a chance. You could probably – Belmont can that Belmont and Murray State can make it a two B elite. That's the only logical path that I see for Murray State. The goal is to win, win the tournament, and you don't have to leave no doubt. But if they lose, who knows? Yeah, but also right now, right, also right now in the bubble, you know, the first four in, the next four are eight out. A lot of those schools that are that are you know trying to get in are are big name schools. We got a lot of big right. names. Big name schools on the bubble this year. I do like that. I, I was looking at the latest bracketology, and you know that last weekend was so crazy. We had the top six teams go down in college basketball. It's never happened, but but the number one and number two did not change. Baylor moved up, so your number one seats projected are Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Auburn. Yeah, Auburn's still projected as the number one seed. They they look at their strength of schedule. And they're probably going to do well in the tournament. They clinched a share of the SEC regular season title. But SEC tournament play, which kicks off next week, is going to be crazy because you got Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, all with a 13-4 and record. They're just going to knock each other out. And it's going to be fun. And I'm looking at the bubble teams right now. The last four in, according to the latest bracketology, Joe Lenardi on ESPN.com, is Rutgers, Xavier, Memphis, and Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago, a bubble team. I mean, what if they win the Missouri Valley? They'll no longer be a bubble team. They will have the automatic bid, and that will open the door for the next four out, Indiana, BYU, SMU, or Virginia Tech. One of those teams is going to steal Loyola Chicago's bid if they win the automatic bid. I think that with SMU being on the next four out, being on the last four in, those two are going to cancel each other out. Even if Memphis beats Houston tomorrow at home in Memphis, Memphis may play their way off the bubble and into the bye, first bye or whatever Joe Lenardi has it. That may put SMU back on the last four in. However, Memphis and SMU are slated, if all goes well, they'll play each other in the semifinals of the AAC tournament. 
SMU has beaten Memphis twice. Memphis has beaten Houston. Houston has beaten SMU. So they're going to cancel each other out. Loyola, Chicago, their strength of schedule helps them a whole lot. They took Michigan State to the brink down in the Battle for Atlantis. They also played very well down in the Battle for Atlantis. They beat Maryland, I want to say, earlier this year. And they played a couple of other high major schools. So their resume is a lot stronger than a SMU, a Rutgers, a even a Michigan. So Loyola, Chicago, even if they don't win the Missouri Valley, I think they still have a chance. But because the Missouri Valley is a one-bid league, you need to secure anything. They just need to go ahead and take care of business and win the tournament. Here's what I hope happens. I hope like these subpar teams in these big conferences like Michigan and Indiana, I hope they keep losing. Uh, Rutgers, you know, they've won a, a lot of big games at home. And then like, man, I don't understand like these uh, West Coast teams still being on the bubble, man. To me, they play some slaw basketball out there. <laughs> like BYU and San Francisco, man, come on, man. Like I know – I know you keep up with the West Coast, Richard, but man, they don't play nobody out there, man. I, I don't, I don't agree with them being on the bubble with that weak league they play in out there, man. Bill Walton would disagree with you. That's the Conference of Champions, the Pac-12 Conference. <laughs> no, I'm talking about San Francisco and BYU. They're in the WCC. Oh, yeah. right? They're You're the West Coast about Conference. Yeah, man. Come on with that. Come on with that. (laughs) They're they're in the West Coast Conference. They got waxed by Gonzaga at home. That was the barometer. If they truly belonged in this tournament, they would have gave Gonzaga a game who got upset by St. Mary's in the following week. St. Mary's belongs in this tournament, not San Francisco. Well, you know, St. Mary's Mary's is on the the level with Gonzaga now. You know, they're always battling with each other. But the rest of them, yeah, no, man. not really. They won't give them a, a, a good game like that. I mean, think about Gonzaga. Who have they really played? They lost I'm, to Alabama. Right. They're the number one team in the country by default. And I'm not taking nothing away from them. Some people still consider Gonzaga a mid-major team. Yeah. So, again, BYU and San Francisco, I hope they, they get off the bubble and, and let maybe let some of these other smaller schools in, you know, like you said, like from these traditional one, one-bid leagues. That, that's how, how I hope it plays out. But And then didn't you say, Richard, that some, sometimes the West Coast teams struggle in a national tournament? Sometimes they do, with, with the exception of Gonzaga and UCLA last year, both reaching the Final Four. But uh, Arizona at times has underachieved. Back in the early 2000s when Nevada was good, I don't know if you remember the University of Pacific, they used to be very good. And Pepperdine, what has ever happened to Pepperdine? They used to be a dominant basketball and they just fallen off the map. But yeah, the West Coast basketball, it used to be fundamentally sound because uh, UCLA was the gold standard with John Wooden. I don't know, man. And I'll give you another strong take, Gabe. Anybody but Tennessee and Duke. That's who I'm rooting for. Whoever, Whoever's playing them. <laughs> so, fellas, let's switch gears to Duke because Coach K, who is one of the greatest coaches of all time, not just basketball coach, he's going to coach in his final home game at Cameron Indoor Stadium Saturday night against longtime rival North Carolina. Did you know that tickets for that game are going for Super Bowl prices? Yeah, I heard. I mean, it is last game. It is Cameron Indoor Stadium. And they are playing their 
arch rival right up Tobacco Road, seven miles, North Carolina. So, I mean, I can, I mean, I'd pay it. I'll pay the money. That's just me, though. And I yeah. don't even have money like that. Well, on my show yesterday, I, I did like a, just a biography on Coach K and what he's meant to basketball, not just for the college level, but he also coached NBA players in the Olympics, won three gold medals with Team USA. The discipline that he had, he was a pupil under Bobby Knight at Army. You know, he played point guard at West Point, and he went and coached with Bobby Knight. He is the true definition of class, as when it comes to college basketball, he used to not be a one-and-done guy, but Duke won five championships with Duke. And I remember when I was a kid, I was a huge UNLV fan. I was completely heartbroken when Duke beat UNLV in the 1991 Final Four. Probably one of the greatest upsets in college basketball. Whether you like Duke or hate Duke, uh, what is your favorite memory of Coach K at Duke? Man, that's a, I got so many memories of Coach K at Duke. I'll probably say that the biggest memory I have of him would be I went to a game when they played NC State when I was stationed at Fort Bragg and I was um I was working I, I used to work uh the NC State men's basketball camp with Mark Godfrey. So I knew a lot of those players on that team. So I got tickets to the game. That was the first time I'd ever been to uh Cameron Indoor Stadium for a men's game. And I just so happened to be on the court right as Coach K was coming out. And I had my uh, my Army – I had something uh, related to Army. I don't know if it was a polo or what. And Coach K was uh, coming out, and he stopped, and he asked, and he said, are you in the Army? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, where are you stationed? And I told him Fort Bragg. And he was like, good, you know, thank you for your service and everything. But also said, you know, we're going to be doing a basketball camp down in Fort Bragg uh, this summer. See me after the game and give me your information. Want to try to get you on to uh, work the camp. And I just thought that that was just like so cool because you're getting ready to play a game. Like most coaches are like intensely focused on the game. And you stopped because I had an Army polo on to ask me that and to get my information so that I could work your camp when you came down to Fort Bragg. Like, that is probably the greatest memory that I have of Coach K as a person. But as, as far as the, the most memorable game I have, it would probably be when Coach K was on the losing end, the 1994 NCAA championship, when the Arkansas Razorbacks won their first and only national title in school history. With Nolan Richardson, Big Nasty Cortez Williamson, Beck, and Scotty Thurman hitting that shot over uh, the outstretched arms of Grant Hill to secure the national championship for Arkansas. I remember that team. I remember they had Grant Hill in his senior year. They had Cherokee Parks. He was a dominant center. And I just remember, I mean, I'm a fan of what Arkansas did, and not only winning the national title in 94, but going. 95 and almost beat North Carolina. Yeah. 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 That- Man, Gabe, you pulling at the heartstrings. I was going to say my favorite memory of memories of Coach K is every game that he loses. But now, 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 you got, now you're trying to change my mind, brother. 
right, man. I that's mean, Coach Taylor is a really, you know, he's a really good guy. So everything, you know, that that you know, I I, I like him. He he's a he's a, he's a really good dude. He's a good person. He's a really good person. My favorite memory of Coach K and Duke was when Mercer beat them in the first round of the tournament in, in 2014. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. They were doing the Dougie on the sideline. I mean, the Nene. The they were doing the Nene on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> oh, man, the city of Macon had a parade the next day. Oh, man, it was just a great moment for Mercer. Switching gears, fellas, because I know we got plenty of time to talk about this tournament. Selection Sunday is next week, and I know I'll be filling out a bracket. We'll have our brackets ready for next week's in the show in two weeks and i want to talk about the nba because right now there's no baseball going on because of the lockout so everybody's focused on the nba of course we got the nfl combine going on but i'm looking at these teams in the eastern conference and the western conference right now the phoenix suns have the best record of the nba and they're doing it without chris paul he's going to be out for a little bit the Suns are the odds-on favorite to win the NBA title. But get this. With the addition of James Harden, the Sixers are 3-0 and so far. They have a four-game winning streak. But they only have a 3% chance to win the NBA title. So you look at the Sixers. Now, they've got rid of Ben Simmons for James Harden. Of course, they don't have Seth Curry. But that team that played the Atlanta Hawks in the second round should have won that series. They had... Thibel, great defender. Fork Moss can, can light it up. And uh, Tyrell Maxey, they got a great team. And, of course, Joel Embiid as the MVP. Does Harden put them over the top, and does the Sixers win a championship? I don't know if Harden puts them over the top. I think Harden makes them a contender again. It gives them a one-two punch with Embiid. And Harding, um, and then you get you're gonna get scoring from Harding. I'm not sure if I'm ready to crown them champions of the East just yet. You still got the defending world champions right there in the Eastern Conference in the Milwaukee Bucks, and I don't think Giannis is gonna give up that title so easily. Uh, I think it's gonna fall down to who has the better path. What seeding gives them the better path? If they can get the one seed, then yeah. But if they fall, if they get the two, the two seed, the five seed, it may not be that easy because you may end up playing Brooklyn in the second round. And Brooklyn is coming back now. They're going to be fully healthy. You got a healthy Kevin Durant coming back off after 21 games. New York just lifted the mask mandate and the vaccine protocols. So Kyrie is going to be able to play at home now. You still had Ben Simmons rounding in the four and playing and getting himself together. And then you still got the complimentary players the Nets have. Don't count out. Cleveland is still a dangerous team, even though they're a young team. So you still got them. I think it makes Philly a contender. Their path to a championship out of the East it's going to be a lot harder. The East is very top-heavy this year. And then, you know, you look at look at last year. Uh, Atlanta came out of nowhere. Nobody gave them a chance. So, you know, you don't – I don't know. I, 
I don't even know. I mean, they haven't really played anybody tough in this in this winning streak that they've had yet. So I need to see a little bit more. I need to see them face some adversity. I need to see what they can do before I say, yeah, they're they're going to win it all this year. Yeah, and then you got uh, Boston, too, uh, who uh, beat our Grizzlies last night, making them look bad there in the garden, and they're coming on strong with the uh, the tough brand of basketball that they play. And, and James Harden is notorious for being an offensive-only player. He's not a defensive guy by any means. So uh, these teams that are balanced, uh, they can really spread the ball around and play good defense. Uh, and then in the first round, if you get a six or seven first six or seven game first round series, and the next team you got to play was done in four or five, you know that kind of stuff adds up too. So great question, Richard. Uh, the East is is very much uh, uh, a more even an even league compared to the West. Uh, but then the West is getting interesting too. Uh, the Grizzlies are right on Golden State's hill, uh, even though they lost last night. They're still only half a game back. I checked the standings this morning. Even the West is getting interesting, uh, especially if some of the the Western teams get their players back from injury. Well, I think the West does have a lot of strong teams. Uh, Utah looking pretty good, Denver, Dallas. But the biggest disappointed team in the West has to be the Lakers. And I know Anthony Davis is out. Russell Westbrook has been a disaster. LeBron at age 37 is averaging 29 points a game. I mean, no 37-year-old has, has ever averaged 29 points a game. He's doing it all by himself. The Lakers don't have any depth. They got rid of KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Alex Caruso. All their scrappy bench players are gone. I had to go back and look at that 2020 championship run that the Lakers had in the bubble. They won that because they had time off. Anthony Davis was at full strength. They had playoff Rondo. KCP was making big shots. And they had the easier path because Miami, Gordon Dragic was injured. Bam Adebayo was injured. Jimmy Butler was banged up. They had a very easy path and won the NBA Finals. This whole experiment that anybody could play with LeBron is not working. It's not working in Los Angeles, and they need to blow it up. Am I crazy, or am I on point? Go ahead, Gabe. I know Gabe's got a take on this. You're definitely on point. So the reason why the Lakers don't have capital, you just said it. LeBron. LeBron got rid of Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Caruso, KCP. Like, that was LeBron's thing. You basically mortgaged the entire farm to get AD, and you had no assets behind it. Then this summer, nobody wanted to go play in L.A. So you could only get a Carmelo Anthony, who is a shell of his former self. You could only you had to bring back the White Howard. Still not the same Dwight Howard that was an all-star years ago. You're you you're you're not you went and got Westbrook. Westbrook is a ball dominant guard, just like LeBron. So it's not like you were bringing somebody in that was gonna be a new big three. You brought in two ball dominant people, Melo and Westbrook. And Westbrook, he has to do everything his way. So it was it's it it it's not gonna work. Here's what I think. I think you basically if anybody if, if Rob Palenka had the guts to do it, I would say blow it up, trade LeBron. Don't let LeBron leave. 
you trade LeBron and you get younger assets. You get draft picks and you get capital and you rebuild and you rebuild around Anthony Davis. I know people are probably going to laugh at me and say, why would you rebuild around Anthony Davis? He's like a he's like a a, a piece of glass that's taped together with if you get the right people around AD, he doesn't have to do everything and you're not depending on him to play out of position. AD is a true power forward. The Lakers have been playing center because they're still trying to play small ball. AD cannot guard a MB. He cannot guard uh, Giannis. He cannot guard um, a, a center in the NBA. He is a power forward. You need to have him on the wing to be able to take one to two dribbles, pull up jump shot, or you catch him in stride while he's going and lead him to the basket. But AD is so fragile, so you need to have a number two to his number one, to AD being a number one, that can go out and get you buckets from the perimeter. That's exciting. Here's here. I hate to say it. Let's say if I'm forecasting to the future, John Morant was to leave the Grizzlies and go to the Lakers. You compare John Morant with an AD and have an exciting brand of basketball. Look at how John Morant plays with uh, 3J. So you, LeBron is not the same. LeBron is too demanding. He wants to be Kobe. He wants to be Jordan. But he is not that. Am I knocking him? I'm not knocking him for scoring 27, 29 points a game. He's doing what he has to do. But you got rid of all of your help to help you do what you needed to do. So you're not going to win a championship this year, next year, or any other time. Trade LeBron before letting him walk away in free agency and get something back in return. Because everywhere LeBron has went, he's won, but then when he left, the team had to take years to rebuild. The only exception was Miami, and that's because they, it didn't take them as long to rebuild. Yeah, so you heard how he you heard how he talked about Cleveland at the All Star game. So he might accept a trade to Cleveland or Miami uh, because I, I think, would, I would, I think if he, I was Cleveland or Miami, I wouldn't trade for him because they're winning with younger people. No, yeah. he need send him somewhere. Send him send him somewhere he don't want to go. Send him to New Orleans. Trade him for Zion Williams. Send him to New Orleans. Send, matter of fact, send him to the Clippers. That way, if he want to stay in L.A., let him go to the Clippers and get the Clippers assets. Do they have to Sacramento. win? Sacramento. Yeah, the they Sacramento have, Kings. Well, the part the part I don't remember, Richard, is do they when they have veteran status like that, do, uh, does, is the player involved in the trade like where they have to agree to it? Or in oh. the NBA, they don't – it doesn't matter. He, LeBron has a no-trade clause. I would try to force a trade and just find somewhere for him to go. And then if that team wants to buy him out, then let the, let that team buy him out and then let LeBron go wherever he wants to go. But as long as you let LeBron control the narrative and dictate, dictate everything, then LeBron is basically going to bleed you dry, make you get rid of all your assets, make, make you get rid of all your draft picks, and then when he leaves, he leaves you high and dry and you don't have nothing to show for which is exactly why a lot of people don't like him. You know, he's the, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but he's also one of the biggest whiners of all time. 
Exactly. And that is very true. And, uh, hey, fellas, I, I really appreciate us talking uh, college basketball, NBA. It's great. Uh, but we have definitely hit our mark. Uh, before we close this show, uh, let's talk a little bit about the NFL Combine. I know that the 40 times we get all excited to see these skill players, and they're 40 times. It's overrated. Cooper Cup got a 4-6-40, and he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I remember John Ross one year got like a 4-2-2-40, but he's been a bust. Uh, does the 40 time really matter? And if it does matter, what position should it matter for? You want a linebacker that can run run fast because they got to go sideline to sideline, but also drop back in coverage. And you want it for your uh, defensive backs and your safeties because they got to cover receivers. I, I, the 40 times are good, but I don't think it's like a, a guarantee. This person ran a, a, a 4 flat 40. We're going to take them with our first round draft pick. That's just one of the intentions. Yeah, that person is fast. They probably ran track. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's something that they, they put on TV for folks to watch. And um, But, yeah, it, it matters in the skill position somewhat. And it also seems to decide whether you're, uh, you know, what round you're picked in a lot of times. Uh, we're pretty happy for our guy, uh, Calvin Austin III out of Memphis. He did really well yesterday and is going to be one of the top receivers selected as a slot receiver. Uh, what about quarterbacks? The, the three quarterbacks that are projected, I really I really like to see how the quarterbacks react when they're actually on the field dropping back. I like seeing their throwing movement, and I like seeing their communication with the receivers, but they really don't get sharp until their pro day. But you have Malik Willis. You have Matt Corral, you have uh, uh, Cody, um, Kenny Pickett. Which projected first-round quarterback will have, in your opinion, will have the best pro career? I know it's early and it's very subjective, and it depends on what team they're drafted to and what system they go under. But who's got who looks the best so far? Only one I, I would probably say would probably be Matt Corral because I've seen more of him than I. But I'm like everybody else. This is a weak draft for quarterbacks. Gabe, here's what I think is going to happen. You know, the Detroit Lions has the Rams draft pick. They pick number 32 in this NFL draft. They're going to have two draft picks in this draft. They already got Panay Sewell. I think they get another offensive lineman, maybe an Evan Neal. They trade up to get him. And I think that the Detroit Lions get Malik Willis. And I think with the right system, I know that Matt Campbell is not my favorite head coach. With the right system, I think Malik Willis has a shot. If he goes to the Lions, I don't know if he's going to succeed, but if if he gets drafted late in the first round and he goes to a team that already has people in place, I think that Malik Willis can succeed. The quarterback out of Liberty, he looked great yesterday at the Combine. Back in the pocket, throwing his mechanisms, his mechanics, they look great to me. And that's that's just me just being in awe because he was the only person I saw. Yeah, he's like uh, – he's Lamar Jackson-like, the things he can do with the ball. And the Steelers really liked him uh, as well. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. Anybody that goes to the Lions, good luck. I can't believe they still kept that guy as their head coach after – I guess they figured nobody – 
Nobody, nobody else wants to come to us, huh? Oh, they could have, they could have fired him and got somebody else, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, and, and the guy from Pitt, uh, Gabe, uh, the big story on him yesterday was the, the his hand measurements. Supposedly, his hands were the smallest hands of any quarterback that's ever been measured at the combine. <laughs> I've never understood the whole hand concept. Like, if you could throw a ball, you could throw a ball. What is, what does your hand size have to do with it? I don't either. And were they measuring their shoe size as well? <laughs> right. Oh, he's got he's got thirteen feet. Like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, if you <laughs> if you play quarterback and you've been, I know the I know the the high school ball is different from the college ball, which is different from the NFL ball. You can go to any store and get all three balls, and if you can throw the ball, you can throw the ball. What does it matter what your hand size is? Well, just as Absolutely. long as the football is deflated just a little bit. <laughs> 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 and it might help. It might help. Sure, <laughs> right, cool, cool. Hey, 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 Richard. I'll close with this. He might be coming. He might be coming back. But it looks like if Don't he's coming, say it, Rob. No. It, it looks. It. it looks like if he's coming back, Tampa Bay's. They're saying, "Hey, hey, hey. We're keeping him on our on our roster." <laughs> oh no. Oh no, uh, fellas. I know. I know, Rob. You're my Monday guest, and Gabe. You're my Friday guest. You know, I so appreciate both of you joining me on this show is i've had i've had a very busy weekend um, i've had a very busy week and so i really appreciate both of you getting on the show and uh get, doing this show together it was fun we should do it again oh yeah definitely man we, we this is some i think we me and robin talked about this a couple of times so we're glad we could finally make it work and what and one more note before we close i know all three of us are proud freed hardman alumnus but the Lady Lions and Lions both were announced that they made it to the NAIA tournament last night. So congratulations to the Lions and Lady Lions. You mean they, they, you mean uh, you mean they both made it to the national tournament? The NAIA tournament, yes. They both got selected for the NAIA tournament. Oh man, that's wonderful. That's great news to hear because I know that uh, the men's program was you know down for a little while, and the women's you know. Uh, man, that's great news, and Gabe's on the scoop on that too, being in Tennessee. So, yeah, that's great news. Yep. Hey, Richard, next podcast, I may have some breaking news for you, man. Oh, so so next Friday you'll have some breaking news. Yep, I may have some breaking news for you next Friday. I actually already know the news, but I'm not allowed to say right now. Oh, so gotcha. I have to. I I, I have breaking news for you. That's Next great. week. That's that great. That is going great. to be suspenseful. Cannot wait. All right. But anyway, it, it was a privilege having you both on the podcast. Uh, Rob, I'll, I'll see you Monday at our normal time slot. Gabe, I'll see you next Friday with your breaking news. And uh, we'll we'll just go over these conference tournaments. And uh, as we get closer to Selection Sunday, I'm just excited that we get to all fill out brackets. And we get to see uh, what our brackets look like in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Absolutely. We had a great time. It's been good for us, too. So, um, God bless America and uh, sports being uh, something that we can continue to enjoy. And everybody keep praying for those uh, those citizens of the Ukraine. Absolutely. Most definitely. All right. You've listened to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. 
we invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.